I titled tonight's message, I don't know if we put it up there, uh, Order in the Church. And I did that for a reason, okay? And these guys can tell you, Mom Ben, that I, I have been uh, uh, waiting, I waited, was it last Sunday night or last Wednesday night when I gave the, kind of the I told you so. I think it was last Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Yeah, not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before, I think, or whatever. Uh, and I've done that on purpose, okay? And, and we live in a day and an age of unbridled spiritualism where everybody's got a gift and everybody thinks they have to operate their gift. And by golly, because God gave them the gift, you don't have a right to say anything to them. That's not biblical, first of all. <laughs> That's not biblical. Everything is to be tested. Amen? How do I test what's said? The word of God. Amen? So I was, I, I try to make Sunday night discipleship Sunday nights and impact Wednesday nights practical in the sense that maybe I had a conversation with somebody this week. Maybe I listened to something some, uh, somebody said this week and we get into a biblical explanation of that. You know what I mean? So I want to start this off by saying what I'm not going to do tonight, okay? What I'm not going to do is make a case for cessationism or meaning the gifts ceased. What I'm also not going to do is make a case that they haven't ceased, okay? I'm not making either one of those cases. It's not what we're talking about. So as long as we, everybody's on the same page, I'm not talking about if the gifts have or have not ceased, okay? I, for one, don't see anywhere in the scripture where it says they did. But I do see in the scripture that we have grossly misused them and grossly misinterpreted them, okay? So I'm not going to make a case for either one of those. What I'm going to talk about is a subject that I heard on Facebook from a pastor that I know, a pastor that some other people might know. And basically it was said, well, well, there was two pastors actually. One, I know nobody actually knows, okay? The other one some people may know. But the pastor that nobody would know from around, because they're not anywhere around here, basically said, well, I don't know why all these people are trying to tell all these prophets to repent because the, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets unless you have a prophetic gift, then you can't tell them what's right and wrong prophetically. Ain't wrong. That ain't how it works. You don't just get to go, well, I'm a prophet and you're a prophet. Nobody else except the prophet can tell us what to do. That's not what that scripture means. Okay, let's just bury that right now. Okay? Second of all, I heard someone say, uh, did the prophets get it wrong? Or did God just not want to reveal to his stubborn church what he was going to reveal? Well, that would have to depend if the prophecy gave a leeway 
for that to happen. You know, in First Chronicles, there was a prophecy given, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then shall I hear from heaven and heal their land and all that stuff, right? But if you keep reading that prophecy, it says, but if they don't, this is going to happen, right? Now, that prophecy was conditional. And it was conditional before it was proved right or wrong, okay? What we have today is so-called prophets, and I'm saying so-called because not everybody that says, Lord, Lord's even part of the kingdom of God, okay? So we can't believe everyone that says, I'm a prophet, or I got a word. And most of the time, these people got a word because they want you to look at them like they got the answer. It's all about pride. It's all about manipulation. We read about this this morning with false teachers. In Second Timothy chapter 3, when we were reading about false teachers, let's just go look at the list real quick. I just want to go back. I know I'm not trying to re-preach this message from this morning. I just want to go back here real quick. Second Timothy 3. He says, Know this also. That in the last days, we're in the last days, can I get an amen? amen? Perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient unto their parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truth breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Amen? And we, we come to the determination that that's not just the power of the Holy Spirit, which is partly what it's talking about, I'm sure. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit is active in the regeneration of people's hearts. The Holy Spirit is, is crucial in salvation. But it's also talking about the power of God, which is the gospel. They're denying the outright gospel. And their focus is on this gift and that gift and this thing that will exalt me and that thing that will exalt me rather than exalting Christ, which is what the gospel does. The gospel abases me. The gospel humbles me. The gospel makes me submit. Amen? Because I'm lost. I'm undone. I'm the one in need of help. I cannot help myself. I cannot save myself. I am undone. And that's the beginning of understanding the gospel. And then we talk about the great thing that God did to save us. Amen? We must lift Christ up. And every gift in this section that we're going to talk about is going to be talking about glorifying Christ and edifying his body. Amen? So when I talk about this, I want you to understand that I'm not making a case one way or another for gifts or how to use them or how they're to be interpreted. What I'm telling you is, even if you're not, even if you are going to believe totally that everything's exactly the way that everybody says it is, okay? 
Because I think the gifts of uh, prophecy are not just, I'm telling the future. See, because prophecy ain't just telling the future. Prophecy could be foretelling, could be confirming a word out of the word. Matter of fact, every prophecy ought to line up with scripture anyhow, even if you believe that. But what prophecy isn't, no matter if it's cessationism, no matter if it's the gifts are still at work, no matter if it's just like everybody says it is, those gifts are not ours to do with how we want to use them. We don't get to just fling them around like superpowers. We don't get to just walk around and what you'll never see. And I challenge you, okay, I'm challenging you to go into the New Testament and show me one time where anybody prophesied about a world leader. Not one apostle did, other than John in the book of Revelation. But outside of John, you don't see them making bold declarations about this person's going to do this and that person's going to do that. Why? Because the gifts that were given were for the church, not for the world. Who are grossly misusing them, grossly misrepresenting them. Amen? I want to read this passage, and then we're going to dissect the rest of this chapter in turn, okay? And I'm doing this on purpose because this speaks directly to the question that was asked. Uh, I could go back to Deuteronomy. Was it Deuteronomy 13 where it talks about if a prophet prophesies anything in my name or, or presumes to speak for me and it does not happen, that prophet should die? I mean, I'm, let's just be real. We got all these people that say, oh, I heard from God, and I heard from God. But the problem is, when God speaks, it happens. How do I judge whether somebody heard from God? Just watch and see if it happens. If it doesn't happen, guess what? Wasn't God. We got to get real. And we got to be able to challenge each other and say, brother, sister, because look. <clears throat> I've had people come to me, brothers and sisters in the faith, say, hey, brother. This, this wasn't right. And then I, you know, I got upset at first. And then I, later on, I called that brother or sister and said, you know what? You were right. And you had every right to say something. You understand that in the body of Christ, we're not out here doing our own thing. It's not just about me. It's not about glorifying you or me or anybody. It's about glorifying Christ. And we are accountable one to another. As the, as the elder of a church, I would be accountable for whoever stood up and gave a word or a, a tongue or anything. Amen? That's how it should work. That's how it should work. I think also that we need to get back to having more than just one person able to make these decisions in the church. Amen? Maybe we need a couple pastors. Maybe we need a couple elders, you know what I mean, to, to say, hey, this is wrong and that's wrong. Amen? Because when you're supposed to establish everything with what? One or two witnesses. Amen? That, that wasn't even Paul. That was Jesus. Jesus said, let all things be established with one or two witnesses. And when he was saying it, he wasn't 
making a new rule up. That's how it was in Israel. He was quoting something from the Old Testament. But all the, you want two or three witnesses. Everything's established. Nowadays, somebody gets up and gets a word, and we're just supposed to expect that it's true, and we don't, we're not supposed to challenge it. We're not supposed to study and see if it matches Scripture. Because if you do, you're walking in some kind of unbelief. But my Bible says that when Paul and Barnabas came to a certain area by Berea, remember that town? He preached the gospel there. It says those Jews there searched the scriptures diligently for days to see if what Paul said was true. Amen? I am challenging this church to be that kind of people. Amen? To be the kind of people that will search the scripture, that will say, is this what this means? Amen? Is that what that means? That's what we need. We need people that will do that. We don't need a little automatons that just do whatever pastor says all the time. We don't need people. We don't need that. Amen? We don't need that. All right, we better get to reading something. I might get stoned here in a minute. <laughs> Put your rocks down, Carmen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29 through 33. I'm reading those specific ones first, just so we can speak to a specific problem, specific question, right? 14. Verse 29, we're starting at verse 29 to 33. And it's just those four verses for right now, or five, five verses, okay? Just those five for right now. And we're going to jump back to the beginning of this chapter, and we're going to dissect it one right after another, okay? Is that okay? Yeah. I hope so, because that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Y'all can vlog me later, okay? All right. It says, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that setteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. The spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Amen? I just want to read a few uh, notes that I jotted down in a couple different Bibles here. Uh, first one I want to read out of this King James Bible, the King James Study Bible, it says, that Paul introduced people with the gift of prophecy to speak in turn and then await evaluation by others in attendance indicates that that kind of prophecy in view here is not predictive or foretelling the future events. Okay? Now watch this. In the Old Testament, when a prophet spoke, you didn't question the prophet. You better do what the prophet said because he was the prophet over all of Israel. When he came over there to anoint a king, that person was anointed. And no one had a right to say, nope, that guy ain't king. Why do you think it was so disheartening for uh, Solomon 
was it Solomon? Yeah, Solomon's brothers, when Solomon snuck back into Jerusalem while they were out of town and he got anointed king. Why was it such a big deal? Because the prophet anointed him and it could not be undone. The prophet in the Old Testament carried a lot more authority, a lot more, uh, uh, when he spoke, it was the very utterance of God. And nobody was able to go, oh no, that ain't, that ain't right, that ain't, the, that ain't the thing. They didn't do that. Okay? So when we're reading this and it's saying that those sitting around are to judge what he's saying, what it's saying is what he is the prophecy or the prophesying that's going on right there isn't a foretelling or a, let me put it in terms that everybody's going to understand. It wasn't a uh, authoritative, thus saith the Lord, we better write it down. Because we've got those. Do you realize at the time that this was being said, many of the letters that Paul had already written were beginning to be accepted by the church as authoritative? Because Paul was an apostle. Do you realize that that's why many uh, of the New Testament, all of the New Testament books that we have were written prior to 100 AD. The reason those are accepted is because those are accepted as authoritative from the church of that day. That those men spoke with the authority of God that we had to write down as canon. Right? Now my question, because there's a lot of people that go, oh no, you better not ignore a, a prophecy. I didn't say ignore a prophecy. I didn't say that. I said judge it. Listen to it. Evaluate it. Pick through it. You have every right in the New Testament to do that. Amen? But what I'm saying is, just given the fact that they're telling them to judge among themselves speaks to the difference of Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. Something changed. Amen? It doesn't carry the same logos, authoritative, I have to write this down as gospel canon. You understand? So we got to understand that when Paul is telling them to prophesy, he is telling them, everybody get up and just tell the future. Because <laughs> that's what most people think when they think about prophecy, right? So what in the world could they be prophesying? What could they be foretelling? How about this? You know, I was in my study the other day and I was reading through Romans. And I found this scripture. What do we call that when that happens? We got a revelation about scripture, right? Do you realize that earlier in this chapter, he tells them, one of you comes with a, 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 a hymn, one of you comes with a revelation. Come on, yeah. let's be real. That's what it says, okay? I'm not, I'm not talking about my own personal point of view. I'm talking about what the scripture's showing us here. Okay? And, and that Bible, all it was doing was making an observation that Paul, when he's telling the prophesy, this prophecy is supposed to be judged whether it's right between those in the body. So if it's going to be judged by us in the body, then it wasn't the same kind of prophecy that happened in the Old Testament. 
You understand what I'm saying? It was different. Even then, even if we're talking about the gifts, whatever way you fall on them, then, even then, in the time of the apostles, it was different than it was in the time of the prophets. Understand? It's different. It was not the same. Couldn't have been. Because nobody had the right to go to the prophet Elijah and say, Oh, you're not speaking for God. He'd have died. You know why? Because God would have killed him. Those prophets walked in that kind of stuff. Remember that? Now on the top of Mount Carmel, they all prayed, and then all of a sudden, now it doesn't say God killed those prophets of, of Baal. It doesn't say that God killed those prophets of Asherah. Now I know most of you forget that there was prophets of Asherah there too, okay? But there was prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah were on top of Mount Carmel. And when their God didn't answer, and Yahweh, Jehovah God answered, Elijah killed them all. That would have been the, wow, wow. The only time you could judge a prophet in the Old Testament is if what he said didn't happen. Amen? Now, just given the things that happened over the last few months of me watching all these prophets, and I'm using air quotes, all these prophets get on uh, Facebook or TVN or YouTube or Daystar or whatever other Christian network you can think of that I don't know about. Prophesying this victory, that victory, and blah, blah, blah. The Lord told me this, and the Lord told me that. They just throw it around like it's candy. I'm going to be just completely honest with you. Can I do that? There's a handful. When I got saved, when I knew that I was called to preach, amen, come on, let's just talk about it. Uh, when I knew that we were supposed to start this church, uh, when I knew that I needed to go into full-time ministry, four times in my whole life, that I felt like God was directing, directing me, directing my thought, directing my heart, whatever you want to say, okay? Since I was 14, I've been saved, okay? So we're talking four times ever that I could even suppose that God was giving me a direction specifically to me, Amen. But we got prophets out there that can tell everybody's business all the time. Why? Because they're charlatans. And they're liars. And they're not hearing from God. That's not true. Stop it. We can't be that blind. Amen? We have got to, as a church, open our eyes and be able to judge the things that are going on in the church. Do you not know, the Bible says, New Testament, that judgment starts with the house of God. Amen? God wants a, a bride without spot and blemish, but, whoo, can you see one right now? Amen? I'm thinking we got a long ways to go. Huh? I think we got a long ways to go. So the view here isn't just a 
bunch of people standing around prophesying the future, it's a different type of prophecy. Now, I didn't say it wasn't prophecy. I said it's a different type than what we just assume. It's just telling the future. Amen? Can that be part of it? I'm sure it can. But that's not the sum of it. Amen? And irregardless if it was something of telling the future, the reality is we all must bear witness that it was God speaking. And then, not, how do I bear witness? How do I know it was God? Well, i got to look back in the Bible and see if i got any foot to stand on to say that God would say anything like that. Amen? The very fact that nowhere in the New Testament has anybody ever predicted which king was going to be king in Rome or which person was going to be king over there. Why do we think God's all of a sudden going to give everybody a word about a president, okay? Let me let you in on a little secret. God lifts a nation up and he puts another nation down. This election wasn't a surprise to God. This election wasn't outside of God's scope of control. God's sovereign, ain't he? God's over all, in all, through all. He's working out his will, right? And if he is, we can't all of a sudden go, well, God missed it, because that's what I hear when people get all panicked and freaked out about it, right? That's what you hear. You hear them going, oh, no, God missed it. No, God didn't miss nothing. Amen? <laughs> Come on, man. And then I, I asked a question of some people, and I think I might have asked some of these people too. But I was like, I couldn't make a case right now why God wouldn't give us a bad leader. Do we deserve a good leader? Because I'm not sure. Amen? Come on, let's, let's, that'd be like me trying to make a case. God, this is why I deserve to go to heaven, right? It's not going to work out very good. Amen? It's just not going to work out. Hey, Ruth, you said amen about me way too quick. <laughs> She's like, I know the dirt on Kevin. Nope, he ain't making it. <laughs> I'm just playing. But that's, that's the idea behind it. Everybody thinks that way. You know what I mean? We don't have a biblical foot to stand on to think that God's going to reveal all this, who's going to be president, to who. It, what does that have to do with the church? Nothing. It shouldn't matter to you. Matter of fact, when there's evil abounding and it's, uh, uh, it, it's coming against you, Peter said rejoice. Right. Amen? Look, I, I, I for one, if bad times come, I'm going to start rejoicing because you realize that the church grew the most in hard times. The church grew the most when it was oppressed. Grew the China is one of the most oppressive, abusive regimes in the world, and the church is growing like fire. Iran, where you can die for converting from Muslim faith to the Christian faith, is growing like fire because of persecution. But over here in America, we get one little law, and we're like, oh, God abandoned me. He left me. No, we left him. And it's us who have to repent. It's us who have to turn our face back to God. And that may be the very reason that the things that are going on are going on, to get God's people 
face to face with God again. Amen. Now, I told you we're going to go back through this and we're going to do it really quickly. And I wanted to bring out just a few points. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to try to read this pretty quick, so please don't get offended. I'm just trying to get through it because it's a long chapter. So I'm going to read through it real quick, and then I'm going to go through and, and pick out the certain points that I'm going to make. Okay? It says, starting at verse 1, follow after charity. Remember? Context, right? What was the last chapter about? Love. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Follow after love. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love, right? Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit the Spirit, he, uh, in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesies speaketh unto, the unto men to edification and to exhortation and comfort. And he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But the, he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but I'd rather that ye prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh in tongues, except he that interprets that the church might receive edification. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you by either a revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even the things without life give sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give distinct distinctions in the sounds. How shall it be known what is pipe or harp? For if a trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to go to battle? So likewise, ye except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak to the air. There, there are, it may be, some, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. Or uh, signification. I didn't know that was a word, but it is. Uh, Therefore, I know not the meaning of the voice. I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so, ye, for so much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel in the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him who speaks, uh, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue, pray that he might also interpret. For if I pray in my, an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with my understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing that he understands not what thou sayest? For verily you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God that I speak uh, with tongues more than you all. 
Yet in the church I had rather speak five words of my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in your understanding, howbeit in malice be children, but in your understanding be men. In the law it is written, when men of other tongues and other lips shall I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will for all that will they not hear me say, Hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not for them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophecy serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say, ye are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, and he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. So falling down to his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brothers, when ye come together, every one of you has a song, have a doctrine, have a tongue, have a revelation, have an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, and at most by three, and that by course, uh, and, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpretation, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak unto himself and to God. And then we read what we read a minute ago. Amen? So I'm going to touch on some stuff that I just want you to get in here, okay? And it's real easy. Purpose. We're going to find throughout here. I'm just going to start picking them out here, okay? Just one right after another. Purpose of these gifts, okay? And I missed underlining one, so I'm going to, I'm going to get it right here at the beginning. Verse 3. He that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. This is the purpose of the gifts, to edify. The tongue edifies me, uh, prophecy edifies the church. Amen? Even in Paul's own hand here, he says, even when I pray in the spirit, my spirit is edified, but my understanding it's not. So even a personal, in my own personal life, I can't just have a tongue. I must have prophecy. I must have something that will exhort my understanding. Because my mind needs to be changed. My mind needs to be turned from sin unto light. My mind needs to be conformed into the image of Christ. Amen? We're supposed to be renewed. In the spirit of our mind, we're supposed to be renewed. Amen? Come on. It's got to be here. And if I don't understand what's being said, I'm not edified. Amen? Watch this. Verse 4. 
He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. And that's what this chapter is really about. You want me to keep showing you? Watch this. Verse 6. What shall I profit you? He's talking about if he came in speaking in tongues, right? Verse 6. What shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? Do you realize whenever he says doctrine and then any time in the New Testament he's talking about scripture and understanding of scripture? Okay? That's doctrine. Verse 9. So likewise, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood... How shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak to the air. He's making a case that we build each other up in a way that we can understand each other. Amen? Now watch this. Verse uh, 12. Even so, for as much as ye are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. This one right here is proof text. This is, it, he says it outright. Amen? He says, as much as you're zealous about gifts of the Spirit, excel at edifying the church. You realize that I, you, for the last 20 years, I've watched as we've, we've had church services of uh, a plenty where people are falling down and speaking in tongues and, and then we go, man, why isn't anybody changing? Nobody's edifying each other. Nobody's building each other up. Nobody's proving these things out. We're in our inverse, we're gonna talk about it. He said, don't despise prophecy, but prove all things. Amen. We're not spending time being diligent enough to go through it. Why? Because we want an experience. We, 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 we want to feel good in my flesh. I want my flesh to feel good when I leave church, you know. I, I'd rather people's flesh feel terrible when they left church. That way they know that sword got in there. Amen? Sometimes you need that. It's called pruning. I bet, I bet a plant doesn't go, man, I'm glad you cut that off there. And then plants probably go, ah, what do you do that for? <laughs> Why'd he do that? That hurt. It's supposed to hurt because we're being conformed. Do you realize a, a grapevine will not grow the way you want it to unless you prune it and do it and, and move those branches and weave them in and out of the lattice like they're supposed to? Otherwise, it's going to grow all wild and crazy. And then you can't. Do you realize those, those grapevines can get so big you can't even reach the top of them if you don't do it right? That's why they put them all sideways so that they can keep reaching all those grapes. And they don't have to build ladders and stuff to reach all that. Okay? It's, I had somebody put one on their house one time, grew all the way over the top of their house, from the back to the front. Edifying the church is the goal, okay? Let's keep going. Verse 16. The very last part of it, we'll read the whole thing. Uh, Else when thou hast blessed with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the, 
of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you're saying. You see, right here, prophecy is so that people can understand what you're saying. Why? So they can prove it out. I can't prove out things that I can't understand. Like, if I can't prove a tongue out, right? Can't. I can't take that tongue and go, oh, man, this is where it's at in the Bible, right? Can't do that. Edification comes through words we understand. Amen? For thou verily gives thanks well, but others are not edified. And there's the proof verse. Nobody's getting edified. Amen? Paul himself, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words in my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also. He wants to edify. He wants to teach. Amen? Verse 22. But prophecies serve not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Amen? That's why he tells us not to despise prophecy. Amen? But to prove all things. Amen? Verse, uh, I could do verse 24 and 25, I guess. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that does not believe, or who is unlearned, he is convinced of all things, and he is judged of all. This is what I get out of that verse, and I'm going to read the next one. Uh, and thus the secrets of his heart are made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report to God, uh, report that God is in you of a truth. This is what I get out of this. If there's an unlearned person or an a, a, a unbeliever who comes in and we're just all speaking in tongues, he's just like, these guys are wacko. But if he comes in hearing the gospel, hearing us lift up Christ, hearing us prophesy the oracles of God, right? It's going to edify him. It may even convict his heart where he falls down on his face and realizes that God had a purpose for him coming there and that you guys know God. Amen? But if you don't understand what's going on or what's being said, he'll never get there. Amen? So we try to use this, and I, I've done it, okay? I used to use this to make my case of why we need to speak in tongues. And I used to make this, make a case of why we should be prophesying and then but I missed the whole point that it's about edifying the church. Watch this. He moves on from edification and his purpose, and he adds to it order. Okay? Watch this. How is it then, brother, when you come together, every one of you hath a song, hath a doctrine. We already talked about doctrine, right? So we're talking about the word. Hath the tongue, hath the revelation, an interpretation. And then he says something that is meant to be understood because he says it again at the very end of this chapter. Let all things be done unto edifying. Amen? If any man speaks in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at most three, and by that course let one interpret he is telling you right here that if someone 
if the, you can have two or three people speak in a tongue, and then someone has got to interpret. And then he's very specific about in church what should happen. Watch. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak unto God and to himself. That's pretty specific, right? He's saying there's a way that we do things, right? And then uh, I want to get into one more subject when I'm done with this, okay? And then he starts in on the prophets. He said, let prophets speak two or three and let others or the other judge, okay? Now, some people say, well, it's the other prophets. Well, that's uh, a great way to think about it because you have the next verse that says that uh, the, 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 where is it? Oh, no, it's not the next verse. It's at the end of this discourse. But anyway, he says, if there be anything revealed to another that set it by, let him, fir him let the first hold his peace. For ye all may prophesy one that all may learn and all may be comforted. Now, this is why I want to say it cannot be talking about just the prophets. Because it says you all may prophesy now. I know we can't be talking about prophecy in the Old Testament sense. I know we can't. Because Paul in 12 says, do all prophesy? Well, the obvious answer is no. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all have a gift of healing? No. So we can't take this verse and say, well, he means everybody's going to use this supernatural gift of prophecy cannot be what he's saying because not everybody prophesies. Amen? Therefore, I have to conclude that the prophecy being talked about here is not exactly the same as Old Testament prophecy. It just can't be. We know not everybody prophesied back then, right? It's going to be no different now. And all of a sudden, everybody can prophesy in the church even though not everybody has the gift of prophecy. That wouldn't make any sense scripturally. Amen. So I'm trying to show you that maybe we're misunderstanding how this all works. Amen. Do I believe that there's a gift of prophecy? Sure I do. I won't deny that. Okay. But I think we have a serious, uh, we need to take some serious thought into these verses where we're reading different things that are going on. Because we know not everybody has the gift of prophecy. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We know that it can't possibly be just the prophets judging because the elder of that church is responsible for everything that goes on as far as doctrine. And the elder's responsibility is to call out false teachers, false prophets. Amen? So we got to put all this together. I can't just divorce it from the rest of the New Testament. You know what I mean? Have to take it all in context. Amen? Now I'm going to finish it up. He said, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches. Now I'm going to skip this whole women's part because I don't need to have, we don't have time to get into it, okay? Because <laughs> there's a whole other part that 
People try to say, oh, that's where women ain't supposed to say nothing in church. That's not what it's saying, okay? Everybody will agree that's not what it's saying. The very last ver uh, two verses is what I want to read. He says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not the speaking in tongues, but let all things be done decently and in order. Now, when I say this decently in order, I'm going to challenge prophecy that has no accountability. Do you see what I mean? I'm going to challenge the very notion that anybody and everybody can prophesy in the terms of like an Old Testament prophet. Because I don't believe that's biblical. I don't believe that's what's going on here. Is everybody sitting in that circle giving a, a, a Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Elijah prophetic word that we got to write down and better do? No. We, they're going to give a prophecy. They're going to give a revelation that we need to all be able to sit around and go, is this what's being said? Amen? And is it biblical? Is it right? So to end my discourse on this question about the prophets being the only ones who can say anything, that's baloney. Okay? That's baloney. It doesn't jive with the rest of it doesn't jive with the rest of Paul's teaching about how we're accountable one to another. It doesn't jive with Paul's interpretation of how I'm all everything's or Jesus's uh, words of everything being established by two or three witnesses. Amen. We need to get back to a real biblical understanding of how these things work, and not this. I'm going to say. Super sensual, uh, super sensationalized idea of gifts, okay? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the difference between what the Bible actually teaches about the gift and how people are trying to use it nowadays by super sensationalizing it. The funniest part is. Paul begins and ends with a call to order. Tongues in order and must be interpreted. If not, keep silent. Prophecy in order and others judge. My last text, and I want to give you this, okay? Because I'm not making a case about, oh, we don't need to prophesy. Or we don't need to listen to them. Don't listen to that. But we have every right to say, hey, that wasn't from God. We got every right. When somebody prophesies and it doesn't happen, to expect that person to realize they missed it and they weren't hearing from God. They're not God. They're not Christ. Therefore, they're fallible. Therefore, they are definitely fall into the church where we can correct them. Amen? We got to get back to biblical understanding of how the church operates. Amen. Now my final one is I want to give you a little exhortation without all that salt I just poured out there. Okay. I did. I poured out a lot of salt, Kyle. I did. But we're gonna give a little we'll give a little exhortation right here because I think this verse really explains my heart in all of this, okay? I don't despise, I don't despise prophecy. 
verse 19 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Paul, in his closing statement, says several things here. He says, quench not the Spirit of God. Believe me, brothers and sisters, I am not here to quench the Spirit of God. I want, we need God to move in spirit and truth in his church. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Amen? That's our goal. My goal isn't to just point out fault just for the sake of pointing out fault. My goal is to point out fault so we can go around the error. Amen? And abstain from the very appearance of evil and follow Christ right. Amen? So I hope this challenge wasn't too much for you. I hope I explained myself as best as I could. Uh, but I also hope that you would take the time and go read it for yourself. Amen? Study it for yourself. Pray over it on your own. Amen? Because we still need God to reveal. None of us are going to understand this book and get it all right all the time. Amen? When I'm wrong, I'm willing to admit, hey, I was doing that wrong. Amen? So these prophets that was out here saying all this stuff, they just need to be as humble as everybody else and be able to say, hey, I was wrong. It was me. That wasn't God. Amen? Repentance. That's all it takes, right? Every one of us have to walk with that same attitude. If we get so puffed up that we think we're the only ones right, and we're the only ones that knows anything, we're going to walk in the same, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum in error. Amen? Puffed up, conceited. All of a sudden, I thought I was following Christ, and now all of a sudden I'm following Kevin. And I'm idolizing Kevin and what Kevin said. Amen? That's what can happen. I'm saying, if we're not careful, that's what can happen. Amen? Let's, let's pray.